0: Welcome to the Specify Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Tatsun Nakagawa of Castagra Products. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and construction industry. Today's guest is Kelly Cartwright. She's the owner of Core Recruiter Limited. So uh, Kelly, thank you, uh, thank you for coming on the show.
1: You're very welcome. It's lovely to be here.
0: Great. Just for context, I, I think you're, you're based out of the UK.
1: That is correct, Jen. Sunny Norwich.
0: Yeah, perfect. And I think what really stood out with your profile is is your awards.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a nice little array behind me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're behind you. I see it on your LinkedIn profile. I mean, do you have a PR background or how did it all happen? Because it's not a few, right? Because I, I saw like 40 or 50 awards of various sorts or announced and sort of uh, finalists and stuff like that. But how did that all start for you?
1: I think obviously when you work in such a male dominated industry, you've almost feel like you've got to go above and beyond To sort of almost prove your worth a little bit, so I think that sort of started it. And I think the accolade of when you win an award or even reach the finals of an award almost just sort of solidifies the what you do and what you say you do is actually recognised from an external source that you know we are what we say we are. It's not just I can sit here and sing to the high heavens that we're the best of the best, but. You know, it seems that when you get an award or get a shortlist for a finalist, you know, it does really home in on that. And I think that's so important for us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So your sort of expertise is in the recruiting side. Was it always the recruiting side or did you come from a different background?
1: No, I fell into recruitment. So I was going to go into advertising and marketing. I had a job all lined up, but just needed some money when I was 17, as you do so i fell into recruitment as an administrator then just loved recruitment and yeah never left i've sort of then stayed in the industry
0: yeah and at some point you decide to go off on your
1: own yes obviously when you work for somebody there's some good bits but there's also some bad bits and for me it was just about sort of creating a culture that I wanted my team I wanted my business I wanted to run it how I wanted to run it so that was really important for me especially you know recruitment's all about people and sometimes with the big corporates they forget that it's all about numbers and sometimes you forget actually we are just human beings so yeah it was really important for me that I could you know step away from the corporate and then yeah set up on my own which massive plunge but love every minute of
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now you talked about it generally, but what are some things that you, you do that you think are different or set you apart?
1: I think for us, it's, you know, the personal touch is getting to know each individual site, where they are, you know, everyone is very different, especially personalities wise. So understand your clients and make sure that when you're putting somebody on site that they fit as best as possible. Same with the candidate side of things is making sure that the candidates are placing on site, the right people, and it's the right business for them and their skill set. That's probably sort of first and foremost, followed up by sort of being a specialist. There's a lot of recruiters out there that sort of divulge into different sectors where so, <laughs> We are just construction, and we want to sort of be the best of the best. I don't want to have multi sectors. I think it dilutes your message and your brand. We just do construction, and we do it well. So we want to know. We want to integrate. I last couple of years ago, I did a week out on site labouring just to fully immerse myself to really understand exactly how a site runs, what how important you know the site labourer is because a lot of people sort of overlook it as being an imperative part of the site when actually they are super important. And just, yeah, getting a full understanding, being immersed in it, I think, you know, it's easy to say you're a specialist when you're sat in the office, but getting out and getting your hands dirty is, yeah, important as well.
0: Absolutely. And did you start off specializing or is it something that you honed into?
1: So I used to do construction for the national, but then they did do other sectors within the with the business. But for me, it was then just taking my skill set and was like, that's what I've recruited for. That's what I know. And that's what we're good at. So we'll stick with it.
0: Yeah. So within the construction side, what are the nuances? Because, you know, like you said, when you specialize, you, you know, or, you know, understand the sort of uh, subtleties to it. So what sort of differences have you noticed?
1: I think construction's evolved massively. You know, when I started years and years ago, there was no sort of any true qualification in terms of a CSCS card. You had people that went out and did their MVQs and things like that, but there was no way of then recognising that. Now sort of it's pretty much a standard requirement to have your CSCS card. It then depicts exactly what your skill set is and what you can and can't undertake work-wise. So yeah, that's one thing I've really noticed that people are really homing in on making sure the CSCS is with the qualifications for the job role that they're going to undertake but yeah from that side of things it is it is always changing you know it's getting bigger and bigger as every year goes by there's a lot more work happening as you can imagine
0: yeah and you you mentioned the the CSCS which I I don't know if that's you know anyways can you explain it I kind of get a sense of what what you're talking about
1: yeah, so it's a card. So it's a construction skills certification scheme. So if you want to go into construction, even just as a labourer, you have to go and undertake a day's course and then do fifty questions. So just a health and safety card, and then it goes progresses up. There's different colours for different skill sets, and then on the back of it, the reverse, it will then say what you're sort of like dictated into. So some, for example, you know, an MVQ level two carpenter and joiner. So yeah, it sort of homes in on exactly what the what the guys do in terms of their skill set and their job. So, yeah, it's, it's becoming a bit of a standard now. A lot of companies are saying you have to have the CSCS to match what job you're going to undertake. Whereas a long time ago, carpenters could get away with just having a general labourer's card because they just couldn't bothered to put their qualification on it. Whereas now it's sort of becoming you have to have the qualification fit for your job title.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it, it sounds like more of these uh, standards are coming in as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. Which is good because I think it sort of almost homes in on the guys you've got actually are qualified for the job. It's not just somebody's mate from down the road that's gonna give it a go, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah. It sounds like you're 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 helping push us.
1: Yeah, definitely. We work with training providers that offer free CSCS courses. So then people that are interested in coming into construction then don't have the financial outlay of getting the CSCS. And then obviously once they've passed their CSCS, we can then put them into work. We also work with sort of an upskilling centre. So they run courses during the day and evening as well, sort of um, six weeks worth of courses, three hour sessions in carpentry, basic plumbing, tiling, painting, decorating, bricklaying. I've actually undertaken the carpentry one just to get sort of an idea of to a bit more as to what it's about, but it then sort of shows you exactly what that is. And then you can sort of get a flavour as to whether that's something you want to train in or reskill into. So that's a really good thing as well. And they're all free of charge.
0: Yeah, wonderful. Now, now, just going back to your awards thing, you've done so many, you've learned so much from the process. And obviously, it's a great way for, for newer companies that are trying to get established or, or cement their mm-hmm. reputation. And what sort of tips do you have? Do you just go and apply, or is there some things you've learned through the process that will help you sort of stand out?
1: So my team like to stitch me up and they normally apply for anything and promote me. I'm the person that does all our business awards. Obviously I can sort of give an overview from the business. I think one thing I would always say is don't get disheartened if you don't win or don't get shortlisted. Some awards I have seen, there is a lot of who knows who. So it can't be, sometimes it's not fairly judged. And sometimes you do get disheartened. I mean, I traped to one end of last year rushed around to get there didn't win and you kind of almost forget how far you've come to get in the room because always we focus on oh we've got to win we've got to bring the trophy home and yeah 100% you know we all want to win the trophy but I think sometimes you have to give it a bit of credit to actually get into the final you know there's hundreds sometimes thousands of entries to even get to the shortlist of say top 10 is a massive achievement in itself but I think you've just got to be honest I mean, I always try and sort of almost put a comp- like a bit of an edge on it. These guys are judging. They've probably got hundreds of entries. You've got to make it stand out. You've got to make it sort of a bit edgy that they think, oh, yeah, she sounds all right. Because they're probably, you know, it's no different to when I read multiple CVs. You just get yeah. bored and it all blurs into one. So if you've got one that does stand out and has a bit of personality behind it, then hopefully it stands out and it seems to have set us in good stead, really. But obviously, you've, you know, you've got to be honest. You've got to demonstrate the key business skills that they're looking for. Always follow the criteria. A lot of people sort of set, tend to go off key. You know, they have set criteria that you've got to meet. So make sure when you're answering those that you're hitting all those criteria to make sure that you've given the best answer. Because if you're writing a load of waffle that doesn't actually relate, they'll be like, well, we can't really judge you.
0: Yeah. Well, you said an interesting word, edgy. Can you give me an example of something that's edgy that that you tried that you think worked?
1: I don't know. I I think for me, it's just about being really, this is us. This is what we do it's not just, you know, a day job for us. We do sort of chuck in even like silly little things like I did one about culture within the workplace and we put some photos in. They were silly photos of us and the team together, but it just shows, you know, here's our headshot and it's not us just stood boring headshot. One of the girls has got a nickname. We used her nickname. One of the girls has always got a fan. So her headshot, she's got her fan in it. Just silly little things, nothing like major, but it just shows a bit of personality. Like everyone's got the boring, you know, corporate headshot of us sort of stood there like, yeah, hi, yeah, do you know what I mean? Whereas no one's going to look look at that twice. It was more about, yeah, highlighting the culture that we are people, we've all got a personality, we've all got a nickname. That's the culture we want to breed. It's not just this corporate world of we go to work, we do our job, we go home, we have a bit of fun on the way with it.
0: Yeah. So you deal with a lot of companies, you help them with their recruiting, but what are the common things that you give advice on or you find yourself repeating?
1: (laughs) I think from an employer's perspective is trying to show sort of personality through, you know, job adverts and things like that. You know, we can all read, this is what you can do for us. This is about our business. Like we can all see the normal Monday to Friday, X amount of days, holiday, bank holidays off, whatever. It's about showing a bit of personality to it, because obviously at the moment there's more jobs than there is people, so it's trying to make sure you're attracting the right people. So I always try and sort of encourage businesses to put themselves in the employees' position and actually think, what would they want to read on a job advert? A bit of personality, take it away from being this corporate world of no, you know, no personality, no, you know, edginess really, and making their advert stand out. So when you are looking and appealing to job hunters, that they're looking and thinking, oh, I like that advert because there's a bit more than just the we work Monday to Friday, you get this day holiday, you get these benefits. I think as well, sort of sometimes trying to educate people into taking a punt on people. I think a lot of people think we've got ready-made people just sat on a shelf waiting to go, but you actually could be overlooking some talent that just needs a little bit of investment. Mm. So somebody might not fit all the boxes, but they've got the right attitude. They want to learn. They want to grow with a business. They want to integrate themselves and progress up, but you might overlook them because they don't fit the full criteria or tick all the boxes, Mm. so to speak. So sometimes just actually seeing who people are for what they are. Not necessarily thinking, oh, they do fit four out of five of our boxes, but we're not going to interview them because they don't fit the whole criteria. Because I think, like I say, there's a lot of talent out there. I took a lady on about six, seven months ago. She's got no previous administration experience, was just looking to get out. She got stuck in a job where she was in retail before, got stuck in it. But yeah, she just wanted someone to give her a chance. If you'd read a CV, you know, and didn't have a you know, crackle and invite her in for an interview, you probably wouldn't have never have looked at her, but because I was like, well, you know, she's obviously done all right to be where she is. She's stuck at retail, which is a tough gig for the last four years. Yeah. Let's see what she's got to say. We brought her in. She's brilliant. And, you know, she's absolutely flourished since she's been here for the last six months.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, some of it's just identifying untapped potential.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. So what are some of the other, I mean, obviously you you've been around many, Many people, so you kind of maybe feel out talent or your know, clues. But if someone isn't as trained as what you do, what what sort of hints would lead to you know exploring further that you know someone is you know very talented, but maybe they've not been fully
1: utilized or supported? I think if you actually just have a conversation with people and just open your ears is you can soon get to know people by just listening to them. Like I say, the lady that I took on, You could, how she conveyed herself in an interview was fantastic. And she was quite honest and just said, you know, she's got stuck where she is, which you can't convey on a CV. You can't write that on a CV, can you? I'm stuck in this job, help me get out (laughs) But it was just having that conversation and understanding, asking those questions of why are you looking to leave? You know, what are you looking for from a future career? How can I support you? What does your manager or your, you know, the business you work for now lack that I can then maybe help with? And just really getting to know that person then and, you know, just remembering that everyone's individual. I've got, you know, some team members that needs more support in other areas than, you know, somebody else. And we've all got different skill sets, but just, you know, working out what people's skill set is and making sure that you're using that to the best of their potential is the main thing. We know I've got really good skills in terms of, you know, face-to-face sales, whereas somebody else might be really good on phone sales.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, you just mentioned about interviewing. I mean, do you believe in a a very fixed, standardized approach or some sort of, you know, flexibility around that, some hybrid approach? Describe your style of sort of getting to the, the right candidate.
1: I think you've got to uh, you know, be in the right environment. It depends, you know, if I'm meeting people out on site, obviously you're in their environment straight away, you get to know them. If I'm meeting people in the office, it's then a very different environment. But I think you've just got to tailor it to your business and what you're looking for. You know, if someone turned up to an interview with me in jeans and steel toe cap boots, I wouldn't batter an eyelid. But if they went into say, I don't know, Barclays Bank. They'd be like, hang on a minute, you've, you're have you applying for a job here. You can't even dress yourself properly. So I think it's really got to sort of suit who you're going to see and, and what the interview's for and everything like that. I'll try and make it quite a relaxed interview because I think when you do formal interviews, it's very easy to put on a front for 30 minutes, an hour, hour and a half, whatever it might be. Whereas you can sort of relax people down. It gives them that comfort and that confidence to just be themselves. And then you start to see the real person, not the person that's sort of hosting an interview for an hour.
0: Yeah, for sure. In your experience, I, I know there's roles in different levels and and stuff like that. But I know one of the things that people look for is leadership qualities. How mm-hmm. do you go about identifying leadership qualities?
1: I think if you put some scenarios out there... Um, just sort of trying to understand how people tick. I'm very much, you know, I've got my office here, which I'm sat in. I don't sit in it. I don't believe in sitting in it. I'm not above anyone else. I sit with a team, I integrate with a team. So I think just asking, you know, how they are as a leader, throwing some questions into the mix of, you know, in this scenario, what would you do? And then you can sort of really understand them as, as a manager and a leader and, you know, see if their qualities align with yours.
0: Yeah. For sure. Is there anything that I did not ask, but you want to cover?
1: No, I think you've, you've grilled me. I feel like I'm even under an interview. That's
0: wonderful. Well, uh, Kelly, congratulations. You're obviously doing a wonderful job and thank you for uh, sharing your knowledge.
1: Not a problem at all. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to the Specified Growth podcast today. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash tats talks for video of today's podcast hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes
1: this podcast is a part of the c-suite radio network for more top business podcasts visit c sweetradiocom